Soon my Lord will call for me. What a glad reunion day. Friends and loved ones I shall see. What a glad reunion day. Yes, some bright and happy morning I shall fly away. Hallelujah, I will shout. What a glad reunion day. When I reach the other side, what a glad reunion day. Heaven's gates will open wide. What a glad reunion day. Yes, some bright and happy morning I shall fly away. Hallelujah, I will jump. What a glad reunion Jesus, let me go. What a glad reunion day. Where the healing waters flow. What a glad reunion day. At the of Christ my Lord, what a glad reunion day, we shall sing in one accord, what a glad reunion day, yes, some bright and happy morning, I shall fly away, hallelujah, I will shout, what a glad reunion day. Yes, some bright and happy morning, I shall fly away. Hallelujah, I will shout. What a glad reunion, what a glad reunion, what a glad reunion So long I had searched for life's meaning Enslaved by the world and my greed Then the door of the prison was opened By love for the ransom was paid I was free I'm free from the fear of tomorrow. I'm free from the guilt of the past. For I traded my shackles for a glorious song. I'm free, praise the Lord, free at last. I'm free. From the guilt that I carried From that dull, empty life
life I'm set free. For when I met Jesus, he made me complete. He forgot the foolish man I used to be. I'm free from the fear of tomorrow. I'm free from the guilt of the past. For I traded my shackles for a glorious song. I'm free, praise the Lord, free at last. I'm free from the fear of tomorrow. I'm free from the guilt of the past. For I traded my shackles for a glorious song, I'm free, praise the Lord, free at last. I'm free, praise the Lord, free at last. Free at last. Good, guys. Amen. No applause necessary, thank you. That's very embarrassing. No. <laughs> they did a great job, didn't they? That quartet and then that trio, man, the choir just blasted it. Man, it's exciting. Well, we're so glad you could be here. I want you, uh, if you're able, if you have a Bible and uh, you can turn, turn to John chapter 10. We're just going to look at a, a couple of verses real fast and uh, just kind of make an application and, and get out to the... Uh, uh, all those inflatables. I'm, I'm kind of excited. You know, I, somebody tried to get me on one of those inflatables already. They tried to get me to go into the bounce house. And I thought, that's, that's, that's really good. You're trying to get rid of the preacher already. Because that bounce house, man, that'll tear you up. Now, we do have a first aid tent out there, by the way, just so you know. Okay? It's out there. Get, this is a really kind of crazy. My wife was on the way into church today, and of course, I come in a little earlier. And so she, she's over there, and she, she thought, man, I got this extra time today. We're not starting till 11 o'clock. And so 10 o'clock, and so she decided to kind of, well, wipe off my dresser. My dresser's not always the cleanest. And uh, she grabbed something and cut her finger. So she gets here, and she's uh, trying to do her job, you know, and her finger's bleeding, and she's got it on her blouse. And uh, the first aid person said, what, what, what's going on? She goes, I cut myself. First, first customer, the pastor's <laughs> wife. Yeah, first customer. So you're in good hands with this, uh, this crew. They took good care of her. I'm sure they'll take good care of you if you need it. We're praying nobody needs it. But you never know, right? You just never know. All right, John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse 9. The Bible simply says this. Jesus Christ, of course, is speaking. He says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the door, he says. Father, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts in these next couple of moments. Lord, I'm asking you to do a supernatural work in our hearts and lives. We came here today expecting and looking forward to a wonderful time and just enjoying family and friends and Lord, that's exactly what we intend to do, but we also wanted to honor you. Lord, you're the reason why we really are here as a church family. 
Father, we couldn't do this without you. And we pray, dear God, that you would just work in lives. Father, speak to my heart first and foremost. I pray, dear God, that you would just help me to um, focus on you. Lord, may you fill me with your Holy Ghost. And Lord, just give me, Father, all the words you'd have me to say to this people. I have nothing to give them except you give it to me. Now, Father, may your Holy Spirit walk these aisles, bring conviction and change as necessary and needed. We'll thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. If you're wondering what that noise was, it wasn't your children being tortured. It was, uh, <laughs> they're singing songs or something up there. They're going crazy. And, uh, you know, we'll try to keep it a little bit more subtle in here. But nonetheless, uh, Jesus said, I am the door. And, you know, it's interesting. A door, a door provides access, doesn't it? You know, let's face it, you came here today and you had to enter through a door. I want to get to Community Baptist Temple and I want to get into the auditorium. Well, you had to come in through the door from the outside into the foyer. Then you made your way even into the doors of the auditorium. There's doors and doors provide access. You know, whether it's your house or whether it's, um, yeah, make sure that door's closed. Can you or something or, or it's closed. Okay, good. All right. So, <laughs> wow. Tell them I said hi too. But anyway, uh, so the um, uh, doors provide access. And, and so whether it's going to a doctor's office or to your school or maybe to work, in order to access that area, in order to get in, you've got to go through a door. You know, and, and I was, um, uh, you know, years ago I was stationed in Germany and I got to go to Paris. And man, there are some huge uh, 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 cathedrals in, in Paris. There's huge cathedrals in, in Nuremberg, Germany, where I was stationed. And man, some of them doors were huge on those cathedrals massive doors, some of them 15, 20 feet tall. But either way, you still had to use a door to get in, to have access. When I was just a little kid, we had a little playhouse uh, that, that, that my, my parents would visit this one co-worker of my dad's, and they had this beautiful little playhouse. I mean, it was like a little house. It was really seriously real, you know, and so we loved it, you know, but the door was really tiny for tiny people. You still had to access the little playhouse through a door. So Jesus is saying, I am the door. Well, what's the significance of that? Why in the world do we, why is he saying that? Why do we have to obviously go through him? What does that mean then? Well, I think we need to start at the beginning. In Genesis chapter one, verse one, the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It starts with God. God began all things. He created all things. And the Bible goes on to tell us that ultimately he created mankind. In Genesis, again, we find that the Bible says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of man created he th him. Male and female created he them. Now, what we do know is that God created mankind, and then God took mankind, and he placed them in a garden. Often you know what that garden was. Many of you will say, oh, I know that. It's the, the Garden of Eden. You'd be absolutely right. And so God placed Adam and Eve in the garden. And God told them that you can eat of every tree of the garden except the one that's in the midst of the garden. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he said again, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Huh. Well, guess what they did? Exactly what you and I would have done in the same circumstance. 
Oh, I'd have never ate that trip. God told me not to do it. I'd never. Really? You mean you've done everything God's told you to do? I haven't. I'd have done exactly what Adam and Eve did. I'd have said, hey, that fruit looks really good. And wow, it looks like, you mean to tell me I could be like God's? I could be like the very God that created me if I eat that fruit? Because that's what the devil's telling them. And they took that fruit, and, and we often say it's an apple, but there's no guarantee it was an apple, by the way. It doesn't say that in the Bible. But let's assume it was. It's tasty. Uh-oh. The moment they ate of that fruit that was forbidden, they recognized something that they hadn't recognized before. And that's kind of crazy for us as human beings to think that they didn't know this. They realized they were naked. What do you mean? If somebody walked through the door naked right now, we'd all be like, and then and, and we should be going, whoa, like that, right? But we'd all be like, what? That's crazy. They didn't even know it. They were so innocent, they had no idea. and they, 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 they had yet to have sinned yet against God, and now that they've sinned, they recognize things that they never saw. Unfortunately, things changed from that moment on, didn't they? People say all the time, why in the world does God let all these bad things happen? It's not really that God lets all these bad things happen. It's that when sin entered into the world, guess what? Bad things started happening. That was never God's intention. He never wanted bad things to happen. As a matter of fact, he placed mankind in a garden and he said, you can eat of every tree. And he said, I'll take care of you and I'll walk with you and talk with you and fellowship with you. But unfortunately, mankind chose to go their own direction and they chose to sin and rebel against God. And when they did, oh boy, they threw the whole world and the universe into a mess. And here we are today in a mess. Do you realize that God had to keep his word? He said, thou shalt surely die. Well, guess what he did? He removed them from the garden. Why? Because sin always brings separation. Here they were in fellowship with God, but because God is perfect and holy and righteous, they could not continue to dwell with him in a personal, one-on-one, face-to-face relationship. Now God said, listen, when sin entered in, now all of a sudden you have to be removed from the Garden of Eden and you're going to go that direction. Oh, I'll provide for you and I'll make a way so that you can fellowship with me, but it'll be different at this point. Oh boy, that was a mess. Out of the garden they go, they began to age and they surely died. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Well, guess what? That's the price for sin. Everywhere around us, people are dying. That's proof positive that we're all sinners. So Adam's removed now. And you know what's funny? He starts to have children, right? Him and Eve get together, of course, and they're having children. And you know what? Adam's a sinner. Eve's now a sinner because they rebelled and disobeyed against God. And guess what happens to their kids? Their kids are born the same way they are. Sinners. It's funny, isn't it? I, me and my wife got together, and we, we had four children. And, you know, those children have some of the same characteristics and qualities that we have. You know, some of them have, you know, extremely large biceps. <laughs> Very good looking. You, you know what I mean? Well, you don't, maybe. But anyway, you, you know, you, but, but the point being is, is that their hair color possibly, unfortunately, there's male pattern baldness going on in a few of them. And, and so we have some of those things happening as well, but we pass those traits on to our children. Guess what Adam passed on as well? Sin. See, the fact is, is that we're all sinners, and we're sinners at the root. It's, listen, I'm not a sinner because I sin. I sin because I am a sinner. 
The truth was I was born into sin, and every one of our kids are born into sin. And you know what? It's proof positive whenever you have to try to quiet them down, and you say, no. And they go, huh? You never have to teach a child to do wrong. You always have to teach a child to do right. We're born into sin. Guess what? We'll live in sin, and unfortunately, we'll die in sin, and that's not a good thing. And so God, he tried to make a way. He tried to prepare the way so that we would not have to deal with our sin, that he could deal with it. So in the Old Testament, he had a system of sacrifice. Remember, you read about sometimes in the Old Testament, he would turn around and he would have these lambs, you know, and, he, he, and it's really grotesque, okay? And these lambs, you know, he, he gets them up there on the altar and he tells his priest, you know, blood. Why? Because there has to be shedding of blood. Why? To pay the penalty or price for sin. There has to be death. But hold on, that wasn't good enough. That's, that, that only covered sin for a mere year. And then they had to do it over and over and over again. Matter of fact, the Bible says over in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 10, by the which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oft times the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. And it goes on to say, but this man, talking about Christ again, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. So what we have here is that the Lord, he's trying to say, now listen, I'm going to give you a pattern. I want you to understand that sin is going to wreck and ruin you and your life, your family, and everything else in the world. But I'm going to give you an opportunity to establish a relationship with me and have one with me in the midst of all of that sinfulness. And I'm going to do that by a system of sacrifice, but you're going to have to sacrifice every year and all the time. It's like, wow, this is getting really tiring. Hold on. That wasn't really the end game, though. He did that to show us what was necessary and needful. There would have to be something, someone that would die, that would take the place of the sinner, that would ultimately pay the price for the sin. That blood that was shed from that lamb covered sin for a period of time in the Old Testament. But all of a sudden, the Bible says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us. We celebrate Christmas every year, don't we? You know why we celebrate Christmas? Because the Savior of the world came that day. You know who the Savior is? He's Emmanuel, God with us. Literally, Jesus Christ is God in flesh. And you know that Jesus Christ lived a perfect, sinless life? Do you know that he went through life and he never did the things that we do? I don't know how that works, but I just know it happened. The Bible tells me it did. And if you believe the Bible's the word of God, then you have to agree with God's word. Jesus Christ did not sin. He was perfect, holy, and righteous. And the Bible tells us that ultimately Jesus Christ took the place of those lambs, took the place of those other sacrifices. And we have John the Baptist over in the book of Matthew chapter 1 saying, Behold, he says, the next day Jesus, he, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Wait a second. Here's Jesus Christ, perfect, holy, and without sin. Here we are, sinners, 
and can do nothing to earn the favor of God in and of ourselves. And here comes Jesus now being born, living the sinless, perfect life. And as he reaches the age of 30 years of age, all of a sudden, John's out there baptizing, lifting him up, baptizing, lifting him up, baptizing, saying, he's coming, the Messiah's coming, the Savior's coming, hold on, he's coming. And all of a sudden, one day, he looks over and he goes, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. There he is. There he is. There's Jesus. There's the one that can take away the sin that was, that was first, bound, uh, first took place in the garden. He's the one that can right all the wrongs. He's the one that can make the difference. He became the substitute. Remember Jesus now? Three years later, here he is. See him on a cross? The nails in his hands and in his feet? Why is Jesus hanging on that cross? If I could be good enough to get to heaven, if I could do something to earn God's favor, if I could get to heaven without him, why did Jesus have to come to this earth, hang on that cross and die? The fact is, is he had to die. He was the perfect lamb. And his blood was perfect because he was perfect. And he died on that cross. He was buried and guess what he did the third day? Remember Easter? He rose again the third day. He's alive. He's not dead. He's not in a tomb or in a grave. He is alive and seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And the Bible tells us he became our substitute or can become our substitute if we allow him. What's he say in the book of Isaiah chapter 53 verse 4? He says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way and the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Hey Jesus, let me tell you what we're going to do. God the Father says, you go down to that earth. You live a perfect sinless life. Then you're going to be placed on a cross and Jesus said, Nobody has to place me on that cross. I'm going to willingly go to that cross because I love every one of those people that I created. And to that cross he went and he died for you. He spilled his precious perfect blood. He allowed his body to be broken. He allowed them to rip the beard out of his face. He allowed him to place a crown of thorns on his head. He allowed them to beat him to a pulp to where he was unrecognizable. And there he hung on Calvary to die for your sin and mine. See, there's no other way to heaven. There's no other way to God the Father. There's no other way but through Jesus, Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In Acts 4.12, it says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. In John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. The fact is, is we are sinners, and we are sinners at the root. We're not just sinners because we do a few bad things. We are just downright sinners. When we compare ourselves to Christ who is holy and righteous and without sin, not comparing ourselves against one another or by one another, not looking at each other and saying, I'm better than this one or I'm better than that one. No. When we see him and we recognize our sinfulness in the sight of a holy God, we must fall before him and beg his mercy and forgiveness because otherwise we are going to perish in our sin because sin must be dealt with and sin demands death. And you know what? I don't want to die for my sin. I decide to let Jesus do it in my place.
And he did die. Hold on. What's he say? We read it already today. Jesus said, I am the door. See, the escape this morning is the door, Jesus Christ. Because God loves you so much, he left heaven. He became man. He became a man. And he left heaven and he came to earth. He died for you on on the cross, paying the penalty of your sin, paying death. He took your place and he provided the means by which to escape the consequences of sin. But can I tell you, the love of God is not enough. His love can't save you. His love brought him to this earth. His love sent him here. Why? Because he loved you enough to want to pay the penalty for your sin, to literally take your place, take my place. That's what the love did. It sent him here. But hold on. There's something missing. How are we going to get into heaven? How are we going to get into the family of God? Well, you have to go through the right door. You have to make a conscious decision. No decision is a decision. You have to admit your guilt. You have to abandon any personal effort to earn God's favor. You simply must trust Christ. He's the only escape. Today we have three doors here. Jesus said, I am the door. And we talked about it already. Doors provide access You know what this door provides? Access to God the Father, access to heaven, access to eternal life, access to a life changed, sin dealt with. In the family of God, we are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus, the Bible says. Oh, we are all the creation of God, and God loves us enough to come to this earth and take our place on Calvary and pay for our sin, but hold on. We have to make a conscious decision to go through Jesus to get to God the Father and into heaven. Hold on. You know what's happening today, don't you? The devil's a very deceptive creature, just like he was in the Garden of Eden, and he's saying, you know what? Go through the door, baptism. Just be baptized. If you'll be baptized, then you can get to heaven. Wait a second. That's not what the Bible teaches. Where does it say the door is baptism? It doesn't say the door is baptism. You say, I was baptized as an infant. Not good enough. I was baptized as a teenager. Not good enough. I was just baptized. Not good enough. There has to be a conscious decision that was made in your life to humble yourself before God who is holy and perfect and admit that you are guilty of sin and that without him you can never, ever, ever earn the favor of God and get into heaven. Lord, I can't do this without you. I want to be in heaven and I want to be with the Father and I want to be your child and I want to be saved from my sin. It won't be through baptism. Hold on. Church attendance. Maybe we can go to church and, and, and read our Bible and pray enough. Maybe we can do all those things, right? There's the door. The devil says, that's good enough. Go to church. Man, you don't even have to go, but maybe on Easter and Christmas, but just go to church some and that'll be enough. You'll be fine. Nope, won't work. 
Doesn't work. The Bible doesn't say go to church and your sin will be forgiven. Doesn't say go to church and you'll be part of the family of God. That's not what the Bible teaches. Jesus said, I am the door. It doesn't say church attendance is the door. But hold on a second. Wait a second. That don't make sense. How about my good deeds? My good deeds. I'll be a good person. Do you know for sure you're on your way to heaven? Well, I believe so. Why do you believe so? Because I'm a good person. I'm a pretty good person. I see what's going on out in that world. I'm, I'm watching and observing what people are doing. I don't do what they do. I'm a good person. Surely God will let me in. The Bible doesn't say that good deeds are the door. That's not what it is. That's not going to get you there. But I'm a good person. My good will outweigh my bad. I'm sure it will. And God will have mercy on me because he loves me. His love's not enough. You mean to tell me he loved you enough to die for you, and now he wants you to make the decision as to whether or not you will accept what he did on the cross as payment for your sin, whether or not you allow him to forgive you or not. You, he's put the ball in your court. It's up to you now what you do with Jesus, who died, was buried, and rose again. He died for the sin of the world, no doubt about that. But our sins aren't forgiven till we go through the door. We can't access heaven, we can't access our forgiveness, we can't access God the Father, except we go through Jesus Christ. But I'm a good person. Not enough. Hold on. Hold on. But wait a second. Maybe, just maybe, I believe in God, though. I believe in God. Are you kidding me? He's going to, I would go to hell. I believe in God. Yeah, the Bible says the devils believe and tremble. Well, every demon in, in hell knows there's a God, but that's not enough. They got to humble themselves before God. Listen, Jesus came to this earth and he literally died for you and he paid for your sin and he paid for mine. And he says, listen, you got to acknowledge that. You got to accept that. And you got to let me pay for your sin. And how you do that is by calling upon me. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from their sin and saved from the consequences of their sin. The door. The door. But I believe in God. I am a good person. Jesus says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. Saved from sin and saved from the consequences of sin. And every one of us needs to understand that we are that sinner he died for. And we're not just doing a few bad things. We are sinners at the very root. It's amazing to me how some people think somehow that they're exempt from all the bad sins. Oh, I would never do that. I would never murder. I would never commit adultery. I would never do that. I'd never do this. I'd never do that. Really? You mean you don't even believe yourself capable of doing anything like that? Seriously? Are you honest at all then? All you have to do is look inside and you know you've done things that you shouldn't have done already. You mean to tell me you wouldn't be tempted to possibly do something you shouldn't? Oh, by the way, last time I checked, the Bible says that if you look on a woman to lust after, you've already committed adultery in your heart. So you are an adulteress, an adulterer. You've already thought the wrong thoughts. You've already done it in your mind. Wait a second, you are already that. You mean to tell me 
Oh, I would never be a thief. I would never rob a bank. Well, wait a second. Have you ever taken a pencil from work that wasn't yours and you knew it wasn't? You ever take a, a, a something? You ever cheat on a test? Oh, so now you're a lying, cheating adulterer. Wait a second. Where's this going, preacher? Where it's going is where the Bible says it goes. We are sinners at the root, and guess what? We are going to do wicked and evil things. That's all there is to it. Whether it's in the deed or whether it's in the mind, it is just as much of an offense to the holy, righteous God in heaven as anything else. And you know what? The only way you and I escape our sin is to go through Jesus Christ. He's the only way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way. And as we close this, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 9, for by grace are ye saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. No other name. Jesus. Jesus. We sing a song that goes, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's something about that name. There's something about that name. It's unusual, it's different than any other. He said, I am the door. I am the door. I wonder today, have you ever come to the place in your life where you acknowledged and recognized yourself as the sinner that you are according to God and his word? As you measure yourself to Jesus who is perfect and holy, are you embarrassed by who and what you really are? Doesn't it shake you at your very root and foundation and think to yourself, man, how, how can God even, how can God look upon me with my mind and the way I act and the things I say and the things I do, right. even if you're a good person right. in the world. The Bible says there's none that doeth good, no, not one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God there. Together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. Compared to Jesus Christ, we all fall miserably short. Miserably short. I just want to encourage you today. I want you to think about Doors for just a moment. Doors provide us access. Jesus said, I am the door. Why? What's so important about that? Why did he even mention it? Because he alone provides us access to God the Father, to heaven, to a life changed to being part of the family of God you got to go through Jesus Christ you don't go through the Baptist church or the Catholic church or the Methodist church or the or the Presbyterian church you don't do it by being Buddhist or Muslim you do it by going through Jesus Christ there's no other way but through him and we're all on equal ground sinners I wonder you need to settle that today. Maybe today you don't 
have Christ as your Savior. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Have you ever taken the time to receive Christ, to enter through him into the family of God? I am the door, he said. Will you enter through Jesus Christ and find eternal life today? and escape from your sin and the consequences of it. Let's bow our heads, please. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Father, I come to you today, and I want to thank you for this time we've had together. Lord, we just cry out to you today, asking that, Lord, you'd meet with us. Lord, there is nothing, Lord, that we can do to earn your favor. There's nothing we can do to have our sin forgiven in and of ourselves. It's all a direct result of what you did for us on Calvary, the price that you paid, the penalty that you paid. We're asking you, Lord, just to work and move in our lives this morning. May you walk these aisles and speak to these folks. May you, Father, bring about change as necessary. There may be someone here or a number of people that have yet to accept and receive the Lord as their Savior. They they never really thought about why Jesus came specifically other than to know that he did and that He seemed like a wonderful person and no doubt that it's been exciting having Christmas and Easter and all of that, but to realize their sin, that they themselves are sinners in the sight of you, a holy God, they've never really thought about it that way. And today they realize that he, being the door, is the only way to ultimately have their sin forgiven and heaven as their home. We need you now, Lord. We love you. Well, thank you and praise you for what you'll do. With every head bowed, every eye closed, please, no one looking. Today, maybe you know for a fact you need to receive and accept Christ, and you've never done that. You've never done that. I'm going to make it extremely easy for you to do that this morning. I know there's a number of guests here, and some of you have children with you and things, and it's hard for you to get out of your seat and move to the front right at the moment, spend time up here, and so we're not going to ask you to do that. But I'm going to say this. If you want to receive and accept Christ as your Savior, you can do that right in your seat right now where you're at. And here's what I'm going to even do. I'm going to help you with that today. You say, well, what what would I need to do? Well, you have to acknowledge the fact that you're a sinner. You have to tell the Lord that you know you can't get to heaven on your own and that you must trust his son Jesus and what he did for you on the cross and then ask him to be your Savior. It's really simple. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I've never trusted Christ as my Savior. I've never done that, preacher. Can't remember when it was. I've never remembered doing that. All right. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I'm going to have a brief prayer, and then I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you'd like to trust Christ, you can do that, but you've got to mean it from your heart. It won't do any good to just say some idle words. Father, Bless these that are here. And Lord, if there are those that need to receive and accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, and they've never, ever done that, but they feel compelled to do so right now, they know they must. I pray, Lord, that you'd give them the very courage to say those words and mean it from their heart to you. It won't be a Baptist thing. It's not a religious thing. It's a personal thing between you and them. Father, be with them now, Lord, and give them the very faith they need to trust and receive you. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you need to... to trust Christ, and you know you need to do that. In your heart, before you and God, you simply say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me for my sin. I believe you died for me and rose again. Right now, 
I'm trusting you to forgive me. I'm depending on only you to wash away my sin. Come into my life and be my Savior. And I will thank you for that. I wonder today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I wonder if there's anybody, and it's just me and my, the two fellows up here with me right now, my staff guys. Is there anybody that would be bold enough to say, Preacher, I did that. I did. Raise your, would you raise your hand let me see that? I meant business with God. I did that today. I meant business. Put your hand up. Let me see it around the room. Yeah, all over the room. Yeah, absolutely. You can put them down. Can I ask you? To, I'm going to ask you to do this. You don't have to do it, but I would like you to do this for me if you would. And I know it's a bold step. But I'd like to ask you, if you really meant business with the Lord, would you just step out and come see me and shake my hand at the front and give one of these gentlemen your name? And that's all we want, because we'd like to just encourage you in the things of Christ. Would you come? Would you do that for me? Come on down. I meant business with the Lord. I'm not ashamed of him. He's not ashamed of me. And I just, I just want to shake your hands. Amen. Let's, we settled, I settled that today. Come on down. That's right. Do that. 